The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. St. Louis In Tune focuses on issues that impact and connect the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. We're talking to Dr. Cynthia Briggs, who is Professor Emeritus of Music Therapy at Maryville University and the Walker College of Health Professions. Cynthia, welcome to St. Louis In Tune. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I know a lot of people maybe have heard of music therapy and maybe they think they understand exactly what it is. There's art therapy out there also. They've heard of physical therapy. They've heard of speech therapy. Explain a little bit about what music therapy actually is. Good. My pleasure. Um, I think all of us have instincts about music being therapeutic, of, of helping us with our emotions, of soothing us. Um, it goes back to biblical times of us seeing music play that role. So music therapy is the application of music in a therapeutic setting by an individual with credentials, somebody who has uh, earned a degree in music therapy, who is has passed a national examination, and their role is to use music to address a therapeutic goal. And those goals are very broad. So a music therapist might be working with premature infants. They might be working with individuals um, with dementia. They could be in special education. They could be in hospitals. So music therapists work in a very wide variety of settings, but their education um, and their clinical training is to prepare them to use music in a clinical setting to reach a therapeutic goal. Now, how did you get involved in music therapy? It, do you have a musical background and then or a therapeutic background? How did, how did you venture down that road? Because eventually want to start talking about the program that was initiated out at Maryville University. Okay. Um, my story is not unlike a lot of individuals. You do come into a music therapy um, degree program um, as a music major. The degrees are accredited by the National Association of Schools of Music, as well as the American Music Therapy Association. So I had studied piano since I was six years old. I had sung in choirs my whole childhood, and I started life as a music major and um, had the very good fortune of getting to take an elective in music therapy. The school I was at did not have a music therapy program, but they had an elective in it. And I finished that course and said, I'm going. <laughs> I need to be a music therapist. So um, lots of music therapists will tell you the story of just once they discovered it, there was this click in their head of this is how I want to use music. Um, so I transferred to the University of Kansas, and I understand you're an alum as well. Yes. And did my music therapy bachelor's degree at the University of Kansas. Wow. And after yeah. you graduated, what did you do? I did my internship at a state hospital in Kansas, and they hired me, so I worked for a year or so for them. And then I left to go to the University of Miami to do a master's degree in music therapy. Um, and upon finishing there, I began to be part of a university program in Philadelphia. And while living in Philadelphia, I did a PhD in clinical psychology. So I'm also a psychologist. Wow. That, that I imagine, would really strengthen the understanding and the implementation of music therapy in a variety of settings. It was the perfect combination for me. It isn't sort of what everybody should do, but in terms of the interests I had, the music therapy and the psychology have always meshed um, the way I wanted them to. I've always been very satisfied. Now, when did the opportunity open at Maryville to start that program? 
I did not start the program. Actually, Maryville okay. can, t- can take credit for being one of the earlier programs. Um, two wonderful Sisters of the Sacred Heart who were professors at Maryville, Sister Ruth Sheehan and Sister, Mary, uh, Sister Harriet Padberg, pardon me, um, started the program in 1972, I believe, and um, kind of pioneered music therapy in the St. Louis area. So that program's been there a while. I joined the program in 2004, and um, I, I was part of adding a master's degree program. So there is a, both a bachelor's and a master's degree in music therapy at Maryville. And my time there has been marvelous. Now, when, when people think about uh, being in a hospital setting or being in an abusive setting or, like you said, an adolescent, uh, maybe some children in a school, is there a f- focal point that people look to? Like, in other words, I'm, I, I usually, usually want to work with children or no, I want to work with adults or is it just everything under, yeah. the, under the sun there? It's a great question. The program is structured so that students across their four years of undergraduate work do three clinical practica in the community under the supervision of a music therapist. There are also music therapists from the community coming in in their coursework, and there are several community projects we have that students are a part of. And the idea is that we introduce introduce them, excuse me, to um, lots of different um, aspects of the profession, so that they begin to have a sense of what part of it is really um, attractive to them and interesting. They're going to then do a thousand-hour internship after they finish their coursework, and often they will do that in an area that really interests them or perhaps even split those hours and work in two different settings to begin to develop the skills they want um, going forward. Wow, so that's really almost very similar to, I guess, student teaching in, in any yes. subject. So you, you, you're either like an elementary or middle school or high school or you're, you're working, if you're in speech therapy, you're working in a hospital setting, things like that. Where has music therapy come from when you first started and you got your degree at University of Kansas and then from when you were at Maryville to where it is now. Kind of give us like a little growth and history of how music therapy has blossomed. Okay. When I first began studying music therapy, there were probably only a couple of textbooks out there. And the thrill that faculty will talk about now is that you have dozens of, of, of books to choose from in terms of how do I want to teach, what do I want to cover, who are the experts, what have they written. Um, it, it, it's very exciting that in the time that I've been a music therapist, which at this point is about 45 years, um, we've kind of gone from you know, having very few materials. And I can remember when I first began teaching in the late 70s, taking journal articles and putting together courses to and find you know searching hard and long for the materials I wanted students to, to be exposed to. And um, the, the profession has flourished. Um, there are extraordinary materials, um, publications, journals, peer-reviewed journals um, out there of, around the world that have allowed us to really uh, grow this profession in very, very exciting ways. The other thing I, I find personally thrilling is that the research that's being done in neuroscience, in particular the field of music neuroscience, is growing and is just thrilling. Um, it, it is sort of showing us the neurological paths to behaviors that we always saw or things that we couldn't explain. But it, in the time that I've been a music therapist, the growth of that material has really been um, very, very exciting for me. Yeah, just a recent 
phenomena is is the brain-based learning and and all of the uh, the research that's gone into that. You know, Washington University's been big in that, and I say recent. You know, I'm talking like. 25, 30, 35 years, mm-hmm. but more recently, you really have seen a uh, a real I'm using a musical term here, a real crescendo in what's going on <laughs> with that with that research. You interested me when you talked about internationally, and I, I know in the United States we always have a tendency just to think of our own country. How has music therapy grown internationally, and is that were there programs outside of the United States? like prior to your undergrad uh, work at KU, or were these things kind of all hopping at the same time, popping up in different countries, or did it grow from the United States out? Um, no, I would say that Western Europe and uh, was certainly our partner. About the same time, programs were beginning to grow in the United States in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, the, there, there were also programs growing in the UK, in Germany, um, there are a number of European programs that are long, old and well-established and, and deeply respected. Then from there, um, all sorts of directions. Japan is as a real center for music therapy, and they have university programs and a, an active music therapy community that is a part of many of their educational and medical uh, settings. Um, we've had international students who have gone back to be music therapists in Japan, and it's, it's wonderful to hear about their work. Um, Australia, New Zealand, South America, I could go on and on, and I hope nobody feels slighted that I didn't name them, but the, the profession has grown very dramatically. Um, I should say Canada, because they are wonderful neighbors and partners to us uh, in some professional activities. Um, so the profession is, is probably much older and much larger than people think it is. No doubt. that uh, I was not aware of the uh, extent that Japan was involved. I know they have a very big music education program over there also. This question is kind of some of the challenges that you as a music therapist and even current music therapists face in talking about exactly what you do with clients or with doctors who may, you know, is music therapy prescribed? Does it have to have a prescription or insurance companies, et cetera, like that to my words, because I can't think of another one, give credibility to what you are doing? Most of the time, music therapists have are part of um, a referral process, and that's different depending on the setting. So while you might have a physician or a social worker or a psychologist making a referral in one kind of setting, you might have a special educator making the referral in another setting. Um, so music therapy is usually a, a service that you know is part of the treatment um, team, and uh, you know a, a, there is a referral for an individual to be seen by the music therapist. Probably the place we need to grow the most in terms of practice is licensure. Um, there are states that um, have licensure for music therapy because licensure is always done at the state level. And there are states that have active, you know, uh, sort of legislative committees for music therapy association working hard to, to get that in place, Missouri being one. We have been working hard with our legislators, um, but we are not in Missouri licensed just yet. But what that gives us is sort of um, a credibility and a credential and, a, and an understanding that there are specific educational steps to being a music therapist and to practicing music therapy. 
we sort of aren't strolling minstrels, that, that, that the, um, the state respects our work and, and sort of uh, credentials our work, and uh, that allows us to um, work in a broader uh, number of settings or to be funded and for particular funding streams. And I, I appreciated how you said that because you said it's part of the team and as physical therapy maybe or occupational therapy. And many times individuals who aren't exposed to music therapy or art therapy for that matter are maybe hesitant or, uh, like you said, legislators need to be uh, educated in the process about licensure. So it, it lends credibility. It lends uh, also uh, validity to uh, yes. what you're doing. But to me, a lot of it is the, the validity of it is the outcome of, of what you see. And, and kind of address that a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, that um, what are some of the results that you've seen uh, in a variety of settings, like whether it's in a school or a hospital or a, a private kind of setting? As part of a treatment team, there would be goals for somebody who was in care. And uh, it would be the obligation of the music therapist, just as it would be true of an occupational therapist or a speech therapist, to be to tracking their client, to taking data, to understanding their progress, to making modifications if their progress is you know, not adequate. And so what we would be looking for is that based on the goal we set, we're getting the outcome we're shooting for. So it could be in a special education setting, the music therapy is really focused on helping a child learn the steps to something. So we've created a song that has very specific lyrics that teach them the steps to completing a particular task. It could also be the steps to doing a multiplication table. It could be the steps to, you know, walking to the cafeteria. Um, but the music would be created to meet that goal and then it would be the music therapist's job to track that progress. So the progress would be that we see the child can complete the task because they can sing the steps to to complete the task and that's helped them remember the sequence. Um, we remember sequence all the time through music, although we don't think about it that way. It's how we all learn the alphabet. That's um, so yeah. that, that would be a very you know straightforward example. Perhaps you're working with individuals with dementia what we've learned, and here's a piece of the neuroscience I love, is that we really never forget the songs we ever learned. So many times individuals in dementia have lost language. They um, have difficulty staying engaged. Um, but we discover that they have a whole repertoire of songs if we can just access them. And so that match of understanding, maybe we'd be interviewing their family to understand their musical life, uh, to understand their favorite artists and their favorite music. But we can take someone who's very disengaged and, and get them engaged and get them neurologically activated because they are singing all their favorite songs. So, you know, the outcome is different, but we're always looking to make sure that we've designed it so that we are beginning to address the goals and we're tracking their progress carefully. Now, some of the things, you know, and I, you sent me these links to three groups, Music That Reclaims, Kids Rock Cancer, and the Angel Band Project, where music therapy is involved uh, in the first one, Music That Reclaims, with children in foster care. And Kids Rock Cancer is a Maryville University initiative and working with some hospitals in the area uh, with children who have uh, cancer or, or sickle cell treatment. And then the Angel Band Project, which provides music therapy for survivors of sexual violence. 
Can you speak a little bit to each one of those? Because uh, I know that you're involved with the Angel Band Project and probably the Kids Rock Cancer. But as I've viewed those, the, the power that music and music therapy have in the lives of uh, the individuals who are being worked with is just unbelievable. The results are just incredible. It, it gives people hope, probably my biggest takeaway from that. Okay, well, they're certainly three of my favorite projects, so um, it's my pleasure to talk about them. Kids Rock Cancer uh, was an initiative um, that we created at Maryville 10 years ago to reach into the children's hospitals and begin to do therapeutic songwriting with the children who were in cancer treatment. We discovered quickly that the children that are in sickle cell treatment were also right there. And so we incorporated it into the project, although the title of the project doesn't say that. Um, the idea is that in writing their own song, and they're going to create the words, they're going to decide how they want the song to sound. Is it going to be country? Is it going to be rock? Is it going to be um, up, or up tempo or slow? And they are going to build a song. Then, using wonderful technology, we just open, um, you know, GarageBand on a Mac and put in a Snowball mic, and they record their song. And we not only put it on our website if they give us permission, they'd like to be able to send a link to others, and they get a CD of the song they just wrote. So the process is very straightforward. It can be done in an hour or two in their hospital room. Um, over 10 years, we have just marvelous data talking about the impact this has had on children in terms of self-esteem, um, in terms of being able to finally articulate kind of what something they wanted to say about what they're going through. We've had parents tell us, you're the first person our child kind of opened up to about what's happening to them. Wow. Um, we've had kids that were in and out of remission, and we've written several songs with them. Um, and that has also been a wonderful ongoing relationship um, with a child as they go through um, maybe several rounds of treatment and as they age, uh, staying connected to them. Um, so that's the Kids Rock Cancer Project. Um, the Angel Brand Project was built out of or created out of a tragedy of some an individual being violently um, assaulted and murdered and the website will tells you this dramatic story i urge people to look at it because it's really really profound and so a group of her friends who were musicians and family came together and did a concert to honor this individual and to say we want music to be um, a contribution to this um, problem in our our culture and um, so the angel band was project was born and um, they discovered music therapy in their search for how would they do this how would they honor their loved one who was lost and um, 10 years later it is an extraordinary music therapy project that provides services free to survivors of sexual violence in three cities they're in st. Louis and New York City and Seattle Washington and uh, the program has grown it has um, provided tremendous service. Um, they are now working really hard to figure out how to do this by teletherapy, and um, that's exciting too, to be able to continue to reach out to people amidst the coronavirus. Um, the third is Music That Reclaims, and that organization was developed out of um, the desire of an adult who had been a foster child many years before, recognizing that music had been her um, sustainer through the, through the early part of her life when she was in and out of multiple foster homes before she was adopted. 
Uh, and she, the it music that reclaims was created to provide music lessons and music therapy to children in foster care, and that's what they do. They partner primarily with um, the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in St. Louis, and um, at Christmas. Uh, the organization provides instruments to children who would like to learn to play an instrument, and they've just um, done tremendous work. I was wondering where you think uh, music therapy is going to go. I know you mentioned mentioned the licensure that you're trying to work with uh, the state of Missouri has been working towards. But over the course of time, you've probably seen the programs grow and expand and where do you see uh, the next twenty years for music therapy? oh, that's that's a great question that I haven't put a lot of thought into. I, I, I really expect the profession to continue to grow in terms of, of being um, recognized as, as a treatment model that can be very effective for individuals. Um, we still, even though we're technically, you know, getting into our 50s and 60s as a profession, um, kind of are treated as a novelty. Oh, isn't that interesting? Or you must play an instrument um, and, and not really kind of understanding the scope of music therapy as a profession. Um, so I look forward to it being almost ordinary <laughs> that, um, you know, somebody says, oh, yeah, um, my neighbor sees a music therapist or my cousin sees a music therapist or they know exactly what it is. The same way we sort of know what physical therapy is. We know what speech therapy is. So I look forward to that day. But I think we're on that path. I think we're on that path. I really appreciate you taking time today. We've been talking to Dr. Cynthia Briggs, who's Professor Emeritus of Music Therapy at Maryville University. Thank you, Cynthia, for visiting with us at St. Louis In Tune. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.